Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. Mark 10, verse 45, when you have a say amen. 46, 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude. There was a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him. Or if this don't sound like a bunch of religious people, I'll stop it there. Many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still. In fact, let me read what the text says because it's in the Greek too. So, so, y'all see that so? So Jesus stood still. He only stood still because somebody got his attention. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. He threw aside his garment. He rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Us, Devin leaned over this morning and she had no clue what I, where I was going with this text today. And one of the sisters in the church sent her a word. It's from Amos and Devin said to me, Kevin, it's a whatsoever you ask season. She didn't know that one of the things God said to me about this text this morning is that very word right there. What do you want me to do for you? What if Jesus walked in this room right now and looked you and I in the eye individually and said, what do you want me to do for you? Do you know what you want God to do for you and your family today? What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, Rabboni, that's master, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is where I want you to look at. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Chad, I didn't tell you this, but flip to next verse. Verse 1 of chapter 11. How many know when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapter and verse, it was written as a letter? Why is that important? Because what I'm getting ready to read to you is a continuation of what I just read. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Here's what I want you to see. This is the day that we remember the entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. We call this Palm Sunday. Why do we call it Palm Sunday? Because this is the Sunday we remember and commemorate the people who threw down palm branches, waved palm branches and threw down their cloaks on the ground. And when he walked into the city, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How many know that? But here's what I want you to see today. It could not happen without Bartimaeus in the crowd. The last miracle Jesus did before he walked into the city was heal this man. And on this Sunday where we're getting, where we're already celebrating the King of Glory, there is someone who came into this building today, some people, some family, some marriage who came into this place today, and we can't have this celebration until you get in this crowd, in this party, in this tribe, and experience the power of God for your own life. Jesus stopped in Jericho. To heal a blind man. Father, don't pass us by today. For a few moments, I pray, God, you'll help me say what you want me to say. And when you're through speaking, I pray I'll have the sense to be quiet and let you do what you want to do. 
Speak to every heart in life. Get in the atmosphere, silence every voice of religion, release every bound spirit, and set people free all over this room and online right now. I thank you, Holy Spirit, from take, for taking us from glory to glory. I thank you for taking this house from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated in the presence of the Lord. A hundred days ago, we began a journey of seeking God in deeper ways, seeking Him in His Word in deeper ways, being more generous, intentionally generous in our community with people. I've actually heard testimonies over the last hundred days of people who have brought other lives joy. People come to tears because of one random act of kindness. I've I've heard testimonies of people who were healed, families who were brought to a place of a miraculous intervention from God. I, I personally did not know a hundred days ago that we were going to have a precious gift given to us. I told you as we were worshiping this morning that the Lord began to deal with our heart in this hundred days and we had to make room for a new baby in our house. Some of you are like, well, you know, next time that 100 days passes by, just, we're receiving all the rest of it, but that one we don't know, Lord. I want to tell you right now, when, when God begins to invite you into a moment, your decision to embrace the unexpected from God will either determine if you say yes, it will bring you into a life that is absolutely full of the miraculous, full of joy, full of peace. And if you say no, it's not that you don't love God, not, not even that you won't go to heaven, you'll just miss the fullness of what God has invited you into. And this is one of those texts in the Bible where someone was given an opportunity to step into something and they had to make a decision, am I going to seize this opportunity or am I going to let it pass me by? I know I'm not talking to everybody today. Some people have an, an, an experience with God or, or a religious Christian life that they're content with. And con, being content is, is good. Paul said, I learned how to be content in abundance and I've learned how to be content when I don't have anything. Being content is necessary. Being satisfied is dangerous. And if you ever get to a place where you're satisfied with where you are in God, you start getting complacent. And if you ever get complacent, you'll never experience the more of God. And there's always that place in every single one of our lives that keep us in need of Jesus. You will never be so equipped, so favored, so blessed that you don't need faith to live because the just shall live by faith. And if you find yourself going through things that keep your faith muscles working and getting stronger, and you say, Lord, I, I could use a break right now. Let me tell you, there'll never be a moment till you cross over into heaven where you won't need faith. It will always require faith. That doesn't mean you're not saved. That doesn't mean you don't love God. It just means God loves you too much to give you the kind of life where you can put it in cruise control and make it without him. There's always that place in us that, call, that causes us to realize we need the Lord. And Bartimaeus is in this place. He's blind. He cannot see in the natural. And yet the Bible says Jesus was passing by and he heard the commotion. And so he's trying to figure out what's going on. And I can see him asking, what's happening? I hear the crowd, I hear the noise, but I can't see anything. What's going on? And someone said, Jesus is passing by. And what does Bartimaeus do? Bartimaeus begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, shh, you can't talk like that. 
right? You can't, this is not that kind of church. This is not that kind of party. This is not that kind of movement. You've got to calm down a little bit. And Bartimaeus says, you don't understand. This is the last time he's ever passing through this city again. And I cannot afford to miss the opportunity and the invitation that is being presented to me in this moment. And so the Bible said when they warned him to be quiet, he took a deep breath and he cried out a little louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what I want you to see is that although he could not see with his natural eye, we know that this man still has spiritual vision because he is able to know in his heart who this man is. The crowd around Jesus doesn't seem to know who he is, but the blind man sitting on the side of the road in Jericho knew who he was. How do I know that? Because he called him, he didn't call him religious, religious patente. He didn't call him a spiritual guru. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. This man knew that when he heard Jesus was passing by, this renowned of Jesus had, had walked through every city. The word of Jesus had made, had made way to every city, every hamlet, every village knew Jesus was the healer. Jesus was delivering people. Jesus was setting people free. And Bartimaeus had heard the story. Bartimaeus had heard the testimony, and he knew, I've got one moment to step out of where I am and seize this opportunity. And so he's, he, they say, be quiet. And he says, no, I'm going to do it again. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why does Bartimaeus get louder? Is it because Jesus is deaf? Why are we so passionate sometimes in church? Why do we cry out sometimes to God? Is it because Jesus is deaf? Why, why do we dance and hop? Why can't we just chill and relax? I tell you why. Sometimes there's this place in us called desperation. It's not about him not being able to hear or him demanding that we do that we do the dance or we, or we give the shout. No, 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 it's not about that at all. Bartimaeus is shouting in Jericho because he's desperate. Yes, and there are people in this room this morning, you need to understand that you can get, you may not be there now, but you can get to a place in your life where something that you need can never be had simply by going through religious routine and you have to say in your heart, this is it. I, I feel like there's some people in here who made a decision in the last hundred days. I'm tired and I'm sick of Christianity light and Christianity shallow. In. I want more of God. I want more of his presence in my family. I, I want more of his presence in my prayer life. And something clicked on the inside of some people and God burnt a bridge back to complacency and we cannot go back again. Why is he shouting in Jericho? Is it because Jesus is deaf? No, it's because Bartimaeus is desperate. I tell you another reason why he shouted in Jericho. Because the last time somebody shouted in Jericho, walls fell down. I'm going to walk around here and preach. I'm going to walk around here and preach. There's a reason why we Shabbat God in this house. Now, I know that there are people who think, well, that's for the super excited people who are a part of this church, and there's a hundred of y'all who are just really excited. Let me tell you right now, that there are times of silence and tears and weeping and laying on our face and soaking in the presence of God, but there are times when we shabak and when we shout. And when you begin to lift up a shout at the right time, it shakes walls down and I believe in this city of Jericho Bartimaeus had heard the story of the day that the walls fell down. Lord, I feel like preaching. I believe that he remembered the story of Joshua leading the tribe into the promised land and they shouted till the walls fall down. In the Old 
Testament, it was Joshua who led Israel into the conquest of Canaan. In the New Testament, it was a New Testament Joshua. His name was Jesus of Nazareth, and he came to lead Bartimaeus and a whole group of people out of bondage into liberty. I'm telling you, there's a reason to shout at the right time. It is a shout unto God that will break the atmosphere, pierce the darkness, and shatter the yoke of the enemy. You don't have to shout. Don't get mad at us when we do. He shouted out louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. What a thought. Jesus stood still. He's on his way to die. And Jesus stood still. He's on the mission for which he was sent to this planet. And he stops in his tracks because of the cry of one man. I want to tell you all this today. Your heart of desperation and your cry to God will always get the attention of Abba. Perhaps you're thinking he doesn't hear you. Perhaps you're thinking he doesn't care about you. Perhaps you're thinking that he's not concerned about what's going on in your life. Perhaps you're thinking he wants you to stay stuck in the mess that you've been stuck in for all of your life. But I want to tell you right now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus takes a trip to a place called Jericho. He did not even have to go there. In fact, he made his trip longer to go by Jericho. Oh, yes. And if I had time, I would tell you, this is where it gets really good. In the Gospel of St. Luke, he heals a man on his way into Jericho. Here in Mark's gospel, he heals a man on his way out of Jericho. Can I just tell you, Jesus likes, uh, he likes helping those who can't seem to find their way through. And when they can't find him, he'll walk out of his way to help those who can't see their way through. And he'll give them fresh vision and fresh sight. Here's what I think God wants me to say. When we come out of this 100 days to Today, somebody is getting their vision back. Somebody is getting their ability to see back. Somebody is getting, I feel like 2020 wasn't in, it was an insult. The enemy actually sent a pandemic in the year of 2020, the year where more churches talked about vision than any other year that has ever existed. And in a year where we were talking about vision, I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. In a year where people were talking about vision, 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 we found out we don't have as much vision as we think we do. We, we had to figure out how to survive. Somebody is coming out of survival mode today and you are getting your vision back. You're getting your vision back for your family. You're getting your vision back for your marriage. You're getting your vision back for your children. I am telling you, you will not remain poisoned and bitten by a spirit of heaviness. You are going to see. You are going to be able to perceive. God is about to rip some stuff off your eyes and reveal what you could not see in your own strength and he cries out louder and the church folks said shh you can't do this I want to tell you about I want to tell you about people you got to be careful with people I love people but I also know people and I'm going to tell you right now not everybody wants you to meet Jesus <laughs> Not everybody wants you to have a personal encounter with the Lord. Sometimes people want you to be quiet. Sometimes people want, and the reality of it is it doesn't matter why they want that. It could be that they don't want to get hungry for him themselves. 
It could be that they don't want to cry out themselves. It could be that they're not interested in God for themselves and feel better if nobody else in their club is hungry for God. Don't get hungry for God because if you get hungry for God, then it will be an indictment on me that I am not hungry for God. And so when somebody gets hungry for God, unhungry people start complaining about the hungry people. Shh, it don't take all that. But there is a breakthrough coming in the church. I'm telling you, not just, I'm not talking about our church. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I'm proper assigned to the people of God. There is a breakthrough coming. We are separating religious people from people who live in the river. God is no longer just content with us coming to church, doing our Sunday morning two-hour deal, and living disconnected lives. God is restoring vision, and God is waking up a people who know how to touch the heart of the Father with hunger and desperation. So they say, chill out, you don't take all that. And he says, okay. <sighs> and he cries louder. And Jesus stops and he turns back to Bartimaeus and he says, what do you want me to do for you? This is what I want to talk about and I'm done right here. After all you have been through, after all of the confusion, after all of the attack, the hindrance, the distractions, can you stay focused enough to know what it is you need God to do for you? Because he's dealing with all these people hollering at him, shh, calm down, it don't take all that. He's dealing with the fear that he's going to miss Jesus. He's blind. He can't see where he is. By now, he could be gone. So I got to holler louder. He's got all these fears, frustrations. He's dealing with confusion. He's dealing with people rebuking him and warning him. After all you've been through, can you stay focused enough to answer the question when God asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Here we are at the end of 100 days to glory. If Jesus walked in this room and said, now what do you want me to do for you? How many of us are focused enough to know that thing we need God to do in our lives? Don't get distracted, family. Don't miss your moment that you've waited for. When God asks you what you want him to do, are you still full of faith enough to believe this is the moment I've waited for? Don't miss the moment. And when he asked Bartimaeus the question, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus said that I may receive my sight. The Bible says in one version that God, that he was made whole. This is interesting because it doesn't mean he was just healed. In fact, it is the Greek word sozo, and it means completely put together, delivered, saved, whole. Healing is when God takes the sickness from you. Wholeness is when you can't find a trace it was ever there. There's a lot of people who get healed in the church, but they're still jacked up. Because healing is, healing is alleviating the sickness and the infirmity. Wholeness is when God says, I'm going to take the sickness out of your body, but I'm also going to take the heaviness out of your mind and the darkness out of your soul. Come on in here, family. I'm trying to tell you right now, we're moving into a place where God is not just going to heal our, our, our lack of vision and restore our vision. There are some things in us that God wants to make whole. And can I tell you that as we come to the conclusion of 100 days. This is not the end we celebrate. It is a beginning that we inaugurate. What if God did not heal blind Bartimaeus and then everybody clapped and then we don't hear about him anymore? He got healed. He got made whole. That's the end. Oh no, that's not the end. That's actually the beginning. 
What if a hundred days to glory was not the end for, and if you haven't been participating, it would be hard for you to appreciate this message in totality because there's some people who have not eaten meat for a hundred days. They have not eaten sugar for a hundred days. They have woken up at 5.30 in the morning to pray 30 minutes before their day began. If you haven't paid a price, I might not be helping you today, but there's some people in here for 100 days. You made God a priority and you're wondering, what am I doing? Where am I going? What is going to happen? I can't even tell you if it's all going to happen on this Sunday. I'm simply telling you and announcing to you, whatever God did for you in these 100 days, it is not an end. It is so that something fresh and a new way of living can begin. There is something greater on the other side of this finish line. He, he got healed. Here's where it gets silly. He got healed, and before, just before he gets healed, do we have any drop cloths? Can somebody fall down? I thought we had some. Thank you, sweet lady. Yes. So you understand this? He was a beggar. And a beggar had on a beggar's garment. And when you have on a beggar's garment, people know you by what you wear. And they know that they expect from you some begging. Now, you can criticize Bartimaeus for being a beggar if you want to. But everybody in here has been needy of something. Oh, let me preach and fix that real quick. Everybody in here has begged for something in their life. If you ever been sick, you begged for healing. If you ever had a pain, you begged for some relief. Come on, somebody. If you ever had a sick family member dying, you begged God for healing. If you ever been married and, and your marriage was screwed up, you begged God for deliverance. Come on. If you ever, if you ever needed God to bless your family, you be, all of us have begged at some time. If you've ever been bound, you beg for freedom. If you've ever been addicted, you beg for deliverance. We've all had some stuff in our life we could not sufficiently fix on our own, so we started, oh, God, help us. And so he begs, and he's got a garment to accommodate and associate himself with begging, and they look at him. And when Jesus says, when Jesus stands still and calls for him, watch this. His entire identity was about to shift. But before he could become everything God was calling him to, the Bible said he threw his beggar's cloak aside. Mm. I got to go. I don't even have time to unpack all this. But you must understand, he cast his beggar's garment aside on the organ. He cast his beggar's garment. I'm not through there yet. He cast his beggar's garment aside because what he was announcing is, I will not go back to begging. He did not have a promise of sight when he threw his garment aside. He had only made up his mind, if I'm blind for the rest of my life, I will not be blind and keep on begging. I am throwing this garment aside. It has defined me long enough. It has been a part of my identity long enough. And if Jesus is calling me, I refuse to walk up to the king with a beggar's garment on. If he's the son of David, I'm getting ready to step out of my past and step into a glorious future. And I cannot step into my future as long as I'm identified by who I used to be. So let me throw my garment aside. Look at somebody and tell your neighbor, I won't need this anymore. I won't need this anymore. I don't need that title anymore. I don't need that limitation anymore. I don't need that label on my life anymore. I'm sick and tired of it. If the sun is calling me, then the sun will make me free indeed. Look at somebody, tell a neighbor, you don't need that anymore. Yeah, you don't need that title. You don't need that identifying thing anymore. You've worn that label of a beggar long enough. 
people don't even want to talk to us anymore because every time they talk to us we always need something what if 2022 and the rest of this year you don't walk around needy with a beggar's garment on what if you get so filled up with God right now today that the next time somebody needs prayer you don't have to get prayer what if God fills you up with enough of his authority to be somebody that delivers those who need a breakthrough I cannot prove this but I got pretty good scripture support for it he threw his garment aside walked up to Jesus they brought him to Jesus he said what do you want me to do for you that I may receive my sight made him whole all of a sudden, the dude starts being able to see. And we think that's the end. But really, it's the beginning. Because now he joins the party in process, in already happening, and he starts walking to Jerusalem with the rest of the crowd. And Jesus is at the front of the line. And they walk into the city of Jerusalem. And here in this crowd are a bunch of ragamuffin used-to-be's. I mean, he did not go after the elite. We got a bunch of ex-blind people, ex-bound people. <laughs> we got a bunch of fishermen. <laughs> we got, there, there's, no, there's no pious, got-it-all-together people in this crowd. This is a bunch of broke-down people who used to be lost and used to be bound, and now they're free. And when they walk into the city... There is a reason why they say Hosanna. Woo, I feel like preaching right here. There is a reason why they start saying hell, king of the king of kings. There's a reason why they start praising him because the only thing they've ever seen from Jesus is evidence that he is the son of the living God. The city of Jerusalem may not have known it, but everybody in that crowd had a testimony and Jerusalem came and the religious people came too late to talk this group of people out of believing that Jesus was the son of David. I came to tell you right now, and I'm getting ready to shift this thing and do something else, but, but there are enough people in this room right now who will not go back on their testimony. They have seen too much. They have witnessed too many miracles. Oh, yes. You've come too late to change my Pentecostal mind. I have seen too much in my lifetime to make me doubt what I'm telling you is real. This thing is real and there's enough people in this room who used to be blind and now they see and you don't need nobody to help you if you want to help me, join me. But if you don't believe me, I still have to give him praise. He is the one that took me out of the fire. He is the one that brought me out of darkness. He is the one that turned my life around. And you've come too late to make us doubt him. Where, where are you at in this room? Is anybody in here a testimony of the faithfulness of God? Watch, watch, watch. So, so God heals him. Jesus heals him, and some people say that's the end. But it's really a setup for where God was taking him. Because the Bible said he could see and begin to follow Jesus on the way. God healed him not so he could say it's done. He healed him so he could just begin. 100 days of glory was not, oh, we're done. Hundred days of glory was now the life begins. Watch this, watch this, watch this. So here, this is what I this is what I, I, I know that there's some people who will take issue with this in the in the hermeneutic of my presentation today. You will find this to be, ah, Pastor, you're on the edge, but just follow me here. The Bible says that he cast his garment aside. In the next verse, in the next chapter, it says that as Jesus came into the city, they waved palm branches and they threw their garments on the ground. 
I'm getting ready to help myself. If you don't believe what I'm getting ready to preach, you won't hurt my feelings, but you will miss a blessing. Because I believe that the same garment, it's the same Greek word, by the way, the same garment he threw aside in chapter 10. I believe before he walked on, he said, oh, I'm going to need this in this next chapter. And he took who he used to be and he threw it on the ground. And Jesus came walking into the city. And what did he walk on? He walked on the garment. He walked on the garment of what he used to be. I need to quit preaching, but I want to praise God that he walked on the garment of who I used to be. He's above what I used to do. He's greater than who I used to be. Anybody got a past? I want to tell you if you have a past, don't let your past rob you of your future. Jesus will walk on top of who you used to be. That's why the hymnologist said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now we're found, was blind. But now I see. We're leaving, stand with me. We're leaving a hundred days to glory so that we can walk into greater glory. We don't go back. What's crazy is that church history tells us Bartimaeus became a leader in the early church. Can you imagine being Bartimaeus standing on the hillside? He walked with Jesus to Jerusalem. Can you imagine crucifying Jesus, ignoring the voice of Bartimaeus, who is standing there that day, I'm sure, saying, what are y'all doing? You're killing the man that gave me sight. Sit down. Where's Devin? Tell Devin to come here. I can't see over there. She's okay, she's coming. So we got some things we want to do for a church that has ended a hundred days of preparation, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing in January 1 when we started this, that February 14th on Valentine's Day, Asher was gonna be born to our family. We didn't know that. Some of y'all, you know, we say that, y'all are like, oh, Hercules, Hercules, that's so wonderful. <laughs> I was up at 2 a.m. 3 a.m. I'm talking about last night. <laughs> Our whole world got turned upside down. And people have called all these sympathy. We get sympathy cards weekly now. <laughs> cards in the mail. Like, we don't know how y'all do it, but we praying for you. And Devin and I are 42 years old. Judah is 14, Zion's 16, Isaiah's 19, Jeremiah's like 40. <laughs> At least he acts 40, okay. Uh, and then Genesis, 12 months old, Asher, seven weeks old. What's the point? It's an outward sign of a spiritual reality happening for people all over this building and watching me online right now. We're making room. Last Sunday night,
the glory of God invaded this place in an indescribable way. I can't even explain it. While we were in that glorious outpouring of the Holy Spirit, somewhere two hours in, two and a half hours in, somebody's like, y'all go to church that long? <laughs> yeah. Demon starts talking about the history. Y'all give me 10 more minutes and we're going to be done, I think, with me talking. Devin began to talk about the history of God in this church. How in 2011, in a season where we were building sanctuary, building a new kids wing, starting an inner city campus in the middle of all that, the biggest demand in the history of our church at that time. God spoke to one of our deacons in a deacon meeting. And he said, Pastor, I said to, my, to the deacons of the church, I said, God, I am believing God is going to give us a strategy to continue to do ministry even while we're trying to pay for this new sanctuary. Now, don't get nervous because when you start talking about money, people tense up and act like, you know, the kingdom of God don't have to have money. How many know the kingdom of God has resources to operate in? And I'm not going to be asking you for something for me or for this church today. So just everybody chill. Don't get all tied up on, you know, just chill. It's going to be good. In the middle of the greatest need of our life as a church, the Lord said, I want you to be generous and be a blessing. And we, that night, the deacons of our church unanimously decided to give away the greatest offering we had ever given. Now, we were much smaller back then, and it was a different day, and we gave away $10,000 that night. Now, y'all say, that ain't nothing, Pat. Well, that's a lot for us back then. We was like, "Woo, Jesus come through. <laughs> we gave that away on Monday morning, and I've told this story 10 times. If you don't know this story, when this house received a $4 million miracle, it happened the day we gave those two checks away to inner city ministries. I had no clue that gift was coming. I had no idea what God was setting us up for. The only thing I know is that God invited us into a moment of being generous when we said we needed resources the most. Trying to pay off buildings in the middle of the worst economy. I mean, it was crazy. When God gave us that miracle, it changed the trajectory of this ministry forever. Last Wednesday, as we were recounting that, it was a holy moment because sometimes you got to remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Remember the faithfulness of God. And we began to remember last Sunday night. It was just sweet. We were crying, thanking God for his goodness. And the Lord spoke to me and said, are you still willing to be generous? I was like, Lord, do you hear that, Lord? Something's trying to tell me to do something, and I bind this thing in the name of And the Lord said, no, that's me. Are you still willing to be generous? I said, wait a minute, God. We, we're at a place again in our church family where we're doing more right now than we've ever done in the history of our church. We have three building projects going on while you sit here. We are, re, we are building a youth building right behind us. We are building... A campus in Cleveland, 60,000 square feet, a mile away from Lee University. Yeah, thank you, doctor, for being the one person that clapped. Somebody help me give God glory. And we are renovating a 130-year-old chapel, a prayer chapel and a wedding chapel. And here's what you don't know, maybe. What you may not know is that that chapel used to be a United Methodist Church that Devin's grandfather pastored in 1986. And while he was pastoring that church, he wrote on a big bulletin board, a big marker board, a vision for revival in this city. They didn't receive that vision. But before he passed away, he gave that to the family. We still have that vision that he had for this city to experience revival. I believe God's finishing in his granddaughter what he started in his heart.
So here's what I want to do. Sunday night, God said to me, will you still be generous? I said, Lord, it's the most demanding season we've ever had as a church. And yes, we will be generous. And the Lord, I, you are going to either fall out or be like, yeah, that's God. But the Lord said, I want this house to give away to this community and ministries and outreaches. I want this house to give away $100,000 to the city. I said, I said, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this. And he said, just, just decide to do it. And that's what we're going to do as a church. We're not going to take a dime for this house. We're going to raise $100,000 and give it away to inner city ministries, missions, outreaches, people who are helping people. We're going to make a difference. And you say, Pastor, what, if, what are we going to get from it? We're going to get the blessing of being generous. Come on. We're going to get the blessing of being generous. And I don't, I, I almost said every family that can join Devin and I give a certain amount of money. We'll, 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 no, the Lord said to me, no, I want you to say this to them. Over this next week, every family give an offering that stretches you. You hear them children? See, y'all don't, y'all, y'all don't miss this. You, you, you think because you don't receive it, it ain't received. I'm telling you right now, if we don't receive it, the children will praise him in our place. And I believe with all my heart, we're going to see something start in this city. What if a spirit of generosity went viral? Everything else goes viral. Hate goes viral. Racism goes viral. Wokeism goes viral. What if generosity went viral? Over the next week starting today, we're going to receive a 100 movement offering and every dime of that $100,000 we're going to raise is going to go to bless people in this city. And we just going to give it and say the Lord bless you and the Lord multiply it. And I believe we're going to see something begin to break in this. You say, Pastor, you got scripture for this? Yes, thank you for reminding me. Matthew 5, 16. Men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I will tell you this. Every family that jumped into this moment back in 2011, where's Eric Hopkins at? Eric, where are you at? We had prayer this morning. He said to the men that prayed this morning, he said to me, he said to the brothers, he said, every person that jumped into that moment in 2011 when we didn't have this church building and all these people, he said, Pastor, you go back and look, every person's life was completely changed and they went to a new level. This is happening here. This is happening in Athens. This week of Holy Week is going to be a week of generosity for this house. And we are going to find, we already found them, a bunch of ministries, outreaches, and even churches. Let me break you down and tell you that some not even in our same denomination. But they're doing ministry. We're going to bless them this week. We are going to bless them this week. Say, Pastor, what do I do with my tithe? Pay your tithe. I'm talking about an offering that stretches you and your house into a posture of generosity. And in a season where we have to have more come in for the vision God's giving us than we've ever needed, we're going to be more generous in this moment than we've ever been. Because the blessing is not in receiving. The blessing is in being able to be a blessing and be generous. If you receive it, say amen. amen. 
And we do challenge all of the pastors and leaders and everyone who's joined us in this 100-day movement. Mm. Maybe you can do that from your church, but I'm not assigning an amount um, because God wants you to give to stretch you, but this is absolutely possible with a move of faith to reach $100,000. Mm. Um, I've been praying about that all week since Kevin told me, but if, if a thousand people in this house and there are over a thousand gave a hundred dollars we would give away the biggest offering we've ever given if a hundred people which is less than a tenth of what is in this house gave a thousand dollars we would give the greatest offering we've ever given so i want you to think out of the box today because this is not something we're taking for ourselves i believe what kevin said at the beginning of this service pastor kevin he said that there's an unlocking that's taking place. And some things cannot be unlocked without a key. And I believe generosity is the key that's going to unlock what God is desiring to pour out. But there's a partnership of faith that has to take place. So how yeah. many will pray and allow the Lord to stretch you and know this is not a gimmick for money. We're not keeping it. But how many are excited to see what will happen when this seed is scattered and people are blessed and what is unlocked in the heavenlies for the glory of the Lord. I want you to tell them what else happened in the 100 days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so how many remember we talked about surprises and suddenlies? And I thought Asher was the only surprise and suddenly. How many know that's enough of a surprise for, for the rest of our life? Amen. Um, but... This won't mean a lot to everyone, but for those of you who know, our, the heart of this house is very much to help women, restore women and children in need in the field of human trafficking or even in abortion recovery, adoption. We want to see broken women restored, and that has been a burden of my life uh, for almost uh, 18 years now. Um, and just at the beginning of the 100 days, I was sitting with a dear uh, friend in the ministry, Karen Wheaton, awesome woman of God, at my favorite place here in Chattanooga, Polly Claire's Tea Room. And we were just talking about the Lord, and um, about two hours into that conversation, she began to notice the for sale sign in the front yard. And um, she said, Pastor Devin, you need this tea room. You need this tea room. I was like, oh, I've always wanted to have a tea room. How many know I love to drink some tea? And um, I said, are you prophesying? Or are you just talking to me? And she had those piercing eyes. And she said, this is a place of dignity for women. And you need this place to restore dignity to women. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'm not even going to call Kevin. I'm going to call the real estate agent first. <laughs> See how much this thing is. Um, and I called. And guess what? It was already under contract. So I thought, man, she got me excited. But we must have missed God. Um, and I had Vicki Henderson, uh, the most awesome real estate agent ever, had called, and it was sold. So I was just all week like, Father, there was something to this. What was it? And so, you know, me, I don't give up easily. I called Vicki back, and I said, if they're not going to make it a tea room, ask them if I can buy all the teapots and the teacups. I'll find another place to have a tea room of dignity to restore dignity to women. I just tell them to give me the stuff on the inside. And what that happened is it, it opened a door. I, when she asked for the stuff, I was asked to come to a meeting. It was very unusual. I was asked to sit down at a meeting, and I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but all I know is I was asked the question, why do you want this tea room? So you know me, for 30 minutes, I shared stories of women and my passion to help. And I just talked about the babies and adoption and all that. And, and, and everybody at the table was crying before the 30 minutes was up. And then... I didn't hear from anybody for like two months. <laughs> it's like, well, that was a weird thing, God, you set me up for. Maybe I just need to witness. But long story short, two months later, I got another call. And I'm here to tell you, two weeks ago, I was given the keys to Polly Claire's tea room. <laughs> yes, I was given the keys <laughs> to Polly Claire's tea room. And we are about to make this place called the Genesis House of Tea, a tea room of new beginnings. <laughs> and we're going to be opening this. Yes, let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So while you're standing, what we have done it together, we are about to expand to another area of the city. And I believe every cup of tea will restore dignity to women in need. Come on. I need y'all to pray a business anointing on my life. I need y'all to pray grace, and everybody better be ready to come visit this tea room. 
when we get open, but I'm here to tell you, God unlocked a dream. He unlocked something I didn't even ask for. And this is the scripture I read to Kevin. I want to release it to you. Why is this story important? Because my head's been spinning for two weeks as I take care of two babies and trying to figure out, Lord, why now? As we take care this of This acceleration. <laughs> Something started. Don't feel sorry for him, y'all. Just kidding. <laughs> Poor Kevin. I'm going to get my... Something started this hundred days ago, and there's an acceleration building. Maybe you haven't felt it in your house, but we have ours. Yeah. There's no let up. Yeah. And this is what Kristen Hanrahan sent to me, Amos 9, 13 through 15, and yeah. I decree this over you. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. Jesus. This is God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other, and you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, Jesus. and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. I'll make everything right again for my people. Can you raise your hands all over this place and let me decree that over you? I declare it's going to happen so fast for this spin. house and for your house. Your head's going to spin. Oh, Jesus. I declare one thing will happen on the heels of another thing. Hallelujah. Before one thing is finished, another thing will begin in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I declare an acceleration. Blessings will pour from the mountains like wine on this house and on your house. If you receive it, say amen. So I want you to shake your neighbor and say, you better hold on. Hold on. You better hold on tight. Because I declare we're about to begin a season of acceleration Hallelujah. like this house has never seen. I hear the Lord saying, you thought it was fast then. You have not seen anything yet. The Holy Ghost is putting the gas Hallelujah. pedal to the floor of this ministry and of your house. And I declare we are entering an accelerated season of fulfillment. God said, you won't be able to keep up in your flesh. You better step into the realm of the Spirit because what the Lord said in this house today, He said, I am pouring out my grace. He said, I am pouring out my grace upon you. How many receive grace? Amen. Amen. So, Father, we seal this word yes. and we receive it. In Jesus' name. Yes. I want us right now before we leave, listen, we're going to receive offering. And if you've already given online, God bless you. If you have been waiting on an opportunity to give, I want to open that right now. I want to bless every giver. Lift your hands if you're a giver. And lift your hands if you're going to step in this week of generosity with this house. If you hear the Lord's voice in what he's saying today, that we're going to be a generous people and we're going to bless our city. And we're going to, come on, if we're going to step into supernatural generosity, if you're in that, say amen. amen. Father, I pray the blessing of God over every family. I pray the blessing of, blessing of God over every house. I pray this week that $100,000 for the purpose of being a blessing to our city. I, not just $100,000. I'm believing you for above and beyond. Yeah. I believe in you for more than enough. I believe in you, God, that you're going to make us a blessing, not just bless us, but make us a blessing. Make us a blessing. And I pray for the stretch in our people that this week they would stretch themselves in the area of generosity so that men may see our good works and glorify you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, if you're blessed and you know it, say amen. Go ahead. I just want to release this. I just want to release this. Hands lifted. I just heard the Spirit of the Lord whisper to me and say, you tell my people this is holy seed. I don't know whose mindset I'm shifting. This is not just an offering. This is holy seed. And I want you to approach it as holy seed as you pray about it, as you go to give it. This church, we're going to steward it as holy seed. Father, I hear you. This is a supernatural moment. This is a supernatural moment. And Lord, we honor this as a holy moment. And we declare every penny that is released into this offering is holy seed. It's not about the amount. It's about the supernatural touch of God that will be upon it for every person that gives it. And Father, I, I declare as we release this holy seed, God, that our people are going to step into a 
supernatural level of giving and receiving, Father. This is going to be a key to a supernatural level of giving and receiving. And so, Father, we see this as holy seed, and we honor your supernatural touch upon it in the name of Jesus, and we bring it with joy in Jesus' name. Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family. For those of you who are watching today, let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.